From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Good afternoon, and thank you so much for being with us. Happy Friday to you. Another busy show to get to, and we have one more giveaway to round out the week. I'll have more details on that coming up a little bit later on in the show. We are starting the show, though, talking about one specific crime in the city of Vancouver and the latest information on the numbers, and we are talking about unprovoked assaults. Joining me now to talk more about this is Sergeant Steve Addison, Vancouver Police Department Media Relations Officer. Sergeant Addison, thank you so much for taking some time. My pleasure, Jill. Well, we have talked a lot about this and certainly saw the number of unprovoked assaults, uh, also called stranger assaults, uh, particularly in the downtown core, but other parts of Vancouver as well, uh, seeing a number of these every day. What are you seeing now as far as these types of assaults? Yeah, this is an, this is an issue that's not unique only to Vancouver. It's a uh, um, a crime trend that other cities, not only, metro, not only in Metro Vancouver, but across the country have seen. Here in Vancouver, uh, it, it has generated a lot of discussion um, with unprovoked, random stranger assaults occurring. Um, at their peak in uh, 2021, at roughly four and a half, four to five a day, uh, caused a lot of concerns and very high-profile incidents. Um, through a lot of uh, focused work, not only with the Vancouver Police Department and, and work that our frontline officers have done and our investigative teams have done, um, but in collaboration with uh, other partners, the criminal justice system, province, um, the media in terms of bringing a spotlight on this issue, um, uh, City Hall in Vancouver uh, um, committing to fund additional police officers. It's been a collaborative effort that is showing some, some really positive results. We couldn't be happier. We're down uh, 77%. Uh, on average, in the number of stranger assaults that have occurred um, from the peak in 2021, when we were seeing four and a half a day, we're now down to about one, 1.1 a day. So excellent news. Couldn't be happier. Obviously, uh, can't take our foot off the gas because there's still more work to do, but it's definitely uh, trending in the right direction. Uh, and, and that is a huge decline, 77%. Is it that the people doing this were caught or, or what do you what do we look at or what are you looking at as as what helped bring those numbers down? Yeah, so to, to answer that, we kind of have to look at what, what we believe uh, led to the numbers rising in the first place. And if you look back into the pandemic um, and some of the challenges that we were facing in the pandemic, everything from um, fewer suspects uh, being held in jail uh, during the pandemic to empty streets, so fewer bystanders and witnesses to intervene or call police, fewer services for people who were struggling. And I'm saying struggling with things like mental health, complex mental health issues, substance abuse issues. Um, those are all factors that, and sometimes just bad people, uh, that led to uh, the numbers being as high as they were. As we've come out of the pandemic and we've seen more supports for people who are struggling, as we focus more investigative work and more frontline police work on apprehending offenders, as folks like yourself in the media have shone an important spotlight on this issue, um, having prompting important conversations about personal safety, the criminal justice system, bail reform, the province stepping up with their Safer Communities Plan, and of course, City Hall funding funding additional police officers so that we have increased flexibility. It's a combination of factors, cooperative, collaborative effort uh, that has, uh, has, has really um, caused us to trend in the right direction. Uh, almost too good to be true when we first looked at the numbers, but the numbers are accurate, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's excellent news. 
Uh, do you? F- this is obviously something that when people hear about unprovoked attacks and stranger assaults, it is particularly troubling, I think, especially when we were seeing those numbers you mentioned at around four and a half per day. So very good news that the, those numbers are down. But do we focus on that because it does get such a response and maybe don't look at other things? Because in that same report that went to the police board, it talked about violent crimes and saying that violent crimes remained stable year to date. There are about 4,700 violent crimes recorded in the first nine months in both 2022 and 2023. That's also got to be a bit concerning. Yeah, well, like as I say, there's there's obviously still more work to do. And uh, the violent crimes are the crimes that are most concerning to us. And when we talk about violent crimes, I mean, we've talked about some 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 terrible incidents that have occurred. Um, we think of think back to the, the meal delivery driver who was stabbed by a stranger in Chinatown when he was just out doing his work. We talk about the, the man who was stabbed to death in front of a Starbucks downtown earlier this year, a person who was stabbed to death by a stranger in, in Yaletown last year. These are all very high-profile incidents that cause a lot of fear and anxiety and concern in the community. And while uh, when we talk about random and unprovoked attacks um, correcting um, and trending in the right direction, uh, we still have to be focused on other crimes that do occur, uh, continue to investigate those crimes. One of the crime trends that we're seeing that is very concerning for us continues to be things like um, uh, violent shoplifting, uh, mischiefs, uh, glass breaks in, in the downtown core, which are, while they're property, some of them are property crimes, they lead to a, a, a decreased sense of safety for people in the community. They're crimes that need to be fully investigated. And um, just because we are able to make gains in, in one area uh, doesn't mean we let our foot off the gas. So we're continuing to work uh, with uh, our community partners to address crime trends. Uh, we don't get caught up in week-to-week or month-to-month ebbs and flows in crime trends because we know that they can change. But um, with this one here, with violent, unprovoked, random attacks, having looked at it closely over the past number of years, um, we're pleased and we're confident that it's it's absolutely moving in the right direction. And the attacks that you just mentioned there, would those be counted, mm-hmm. though, as stranger, uh, unprovoked assaults, or would those be counted as violent crimes? So an un- when we talk about an unprovoked at- uh, attack or an unprovoked assault, it's um, typically something that's you consider unreasonable in the circumstances. So we're not talking about bar fights or road rages. Uh, it's an interaction between a suspect and a victim that is 20 seconds or less. And it doesn't include things like intimate partner violence, thefts, robberies, violent shoplifting, or assaults against police officers. And what we're talking about are truly random and unprovoked attacks, one stranger approaching a person that they don't know and committing a violent crime against them. Okay. And so would there be overlap, though, if it was, or those very different, that they're counted as as violent or they're counted as uh, stranger assaults and then violent crimes is a whole other category? Um, well, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I fully understand your question, but what I can tell tell you that there's there's a, a range of violent crimes uh, that we do investigate uh, as police officers. Um, when we talk about um, random and unprovoked attacks, we're talking about two stranger assaults where a victim and a suspect did not know each other, where their initial interaction was 20 seconds or less, and where there's really uh, no reasonable explanation for the violence to have have occurred. Okay, all right. Um, And with with still at one a day then, and not that anybody wants to hear of any Mm -hmm. uh, random assaults or any violent crimes for that matter, but with still at one a day, is is that something that maybe we would have seen in the past? And that's that's a a number that, is it impossible to get to zero? Um, 
well, nothing's impossible, and we can't take our foot off the gas. One one a day is is one too many. Um, but we like we need to be realistic about this. There's uh, uh, crimes do occur. While well, Vancouver is a is a, is a safe city, uh, there are incidents that do occur. Um, that sometimes defy logic or explanation, and when we talk about these these random attacks, a lot of them, you know, do defy um, de- defy logic. And um, we're pleased that uh, we've been able to make progress. It's not just work that we've done at the, at the Vancouver Police Department here. It's work that we've done in collaboration with our community partners, uh, the courts, the province, city hall. Uh, folks like you in the media to raise attention to it. So um, one a day is still one too many, and we'll continue to work on it. And, and uh, obviously, we'd love to get down to zero, um, but we've 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 got to we've got to continue to continue to work at it and um, and keep our foot on the keep our foot on the gas here. All right, Sergeant Addison, appreciate you making the time today. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure, Joe. Take care. Thanks for being with us on this Friday afternoon. We have talked a lot about groceries, about inflation, and about some tough choices people are making, especially when at the grocery store trying to make those dollars stretch as much as possible. Well, that is becoming even more difficult for some BC parents, saying they are also facing pretty tough choices because of the price of infant formula. Joining me now to talk a little bit more about this is Karen Rempel, Program Director with Sardis Doorway. Karen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Before we talk more about the prices and what's happening, can you explain a little bit uh, for people, what exactly is Sardis Doorway? Uh, So Sardis Doorway is a support program for moms who have young children and find themselves parenting alone. All right. And and so this would be a, a group then that definitely uh, is seeing these prices and uh, feeling the, the shock of the price of infant formula. What is happening with those prices or what are people seeing? Um, two things. They're seeing the price has gone up in the last year um, considerably. And then just sometimes there's just not the product available. Um, you know, a mom might be only allowed to buy one at a time. And if you are relying on either somebody else for transportation or the bus or whatever, then, you know, you need more than one at a time. And so sometimes you're not allowed to buy more than one. And then just the price, the price is so crazy. And the price then, from what I was reading and looking at this, that it's gone up from, uh, gone up about 23% just over Mm -hmm. the past year alone, which I mean, we've seen so many things go up in price groceries, but that just seems like such a big increase. It is, yeah. No, it's way too, it's too much. And do we know why or has anybody been able to get a, a reason as to why the price is going up? I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, I've heard, I guess, rumors of um, of factories in the states having problems getting product or with work stoppages and those kind of things. Um, but nothing that's really that I can find that's really gives a good picture as to why it's gone up so much. And with your organization as well, with Sardis mm-hmm. Doorway, then I, I would imagine that, that you must be seeing uh, moms, parents coming in, hoping uh, to get this. But that's got to have an impact on how much you have as well available or how much you can even anticipate coming in. Or how much we can afford to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's expensive then for us to purchase as well. Um, we do get donations and we can sometimes um, purchase or get some from Food Banks Canada, but um, 
most of the time we just have to rely on on donations that we get of of formula. Um, But we have seen a great increase in requests. Um, I mean, diapers are more expensive now too. So then it's not just the formula, it's the diapers as well. Right. And and things that, that really, it's not like there's a choice. And I know I had seen no. stories as well of, of the dangers and making sure that people knew the, mm-hmm. of the dangers of even trying to make formula at home. Yeah, there, we hear stories of, of women who have found a recipe online where they, um, you know, take condensed milk and add things to it to be, um, to make formula, but it's not really safe for baby you don't know what you're giving. You don't know what you're giving baby. Um, I mean, of course, breast milk is best. But when families are living in stressful situations, then that's not always an option at all. Right. Or when mom, mom isn't eating well, um, then her body's just not going to produce the milk. Right. And do you see that as well, that, that moms mm-hmm. are in that case, uh, even, even, you know, they're not eating as much or they're cutting back on groceries to save that money to buy formula? Yeah. Or to pay rent. So then the mums aren't eating well, um, so then their bodies aren't producing milk, so they have to buy formula for baby, and then uh, it's too expensive. Is there any indication that that things are going to get better as far as, I know you mentioned the supply coming from the states and and there have been issues Mm -hmm. there and shortages. Is there any indication that that is going to get remedied or fixed or that, that we might see the price come down? We haven't seen any indication that it's going to come down, no. And are there other agencies as far as food banks that get involved, mm-hmm. or is it is it pretty much it's, it's organizations like yours that really uh, have to kind of uh, find creative ways or that, uh, that moms are depending on? Um, or they, yeah, they, there are in, in Chilliwack, there's a few different agencies that look after the you know, try to care for these moms and their babies the best we can. Um, you know, Meadow Road Society and Better Beginnings and us. Um, but, you know, everybody's living with shortages. Everybody's living with um, decreased donations uh, for us to purchase the items as well. Um, so the agencies and the programs that are serving the moms are doing the best that we can. Um, in our case, we try to give more food to mom. Um, in hopes that she has, you know, can buy some formula. Right. Find, well, find, if we don't yeah. have the product. Right. Mm-hmm. So finding ways to, to help people with their, with their, uh, with what, what money they might have to, to be able to prioritize that. Exactly. And we don't want moms to be missing meals uh, to, or to have to miss meals so that they can buy um, formula. I understand too. Uh, Health Canada has put out some information saying mm-hmm. that they did see or the that the supply has started to stabilize. Uh, even though uh, one of the one of the things is that Canada doesn't make its own infant formula, so there is this exactly. yeah, yeah dependence on the U.S. U.S. Um, market and the U.S. factories. But that's still got to be not a lot of comfort to moms that are in that position. And that might be six months down the road before we see any. Um, any stabilizing, and that doesn't help you when your baby is hungry today. Right. Um, what else do you think can be done as far as uh, getting the word out there, I suppose? Because I, I do think it is because it is such a, a specific thing that we're talking about. People might mm-hmm. not think, when you think about food banks and you think about the staples of food and that, it, formula doesn't come, isn't top of mind exactly. for people. Well, then people are, you know, they can donate 
their Campbell soup and, and their cans of beans, but um, just being reminded to, to also donate formula and diapers, especially the bigger size diapers, but formula um, and a variety of kinds of formula because, um, you know, baby, different babies' tummies are different. Um, it, I, probably the better would be to donate money to food banks, uh, and you can earmark it specifically to baby needs um, and, and finding ways to help us to purchase um, the items that we might need for a specific family. Because if you're looking at, as well at uh, a mom who, for whatever reason, needs formula, and, and like you said, there mm-hmm. are all different scenarios that where where formula is is a necessity. It's not yep. it's not um, it's something that uh, oh you just on a whim decide to use it. It's a necessity exactly. in these cases. How much formula uh, does someone need? Or, or, or I know it varies. It would vary, but but how much are you talking about uh, as far as how much moms need? Well, to make a bottle. You need anywhere between two and four scoops, depending on how concentrated the, the brand that you have. And so if you think of four scoops, um, they're about two tablespoon scoops, so eight tablespoons out of each can um, for each bottle. And if baby needs, even if you're nursing part-time and having formula, you're going to need four bottles a day. Um, that can's not going to last you more than two weeks. Right. And, and I think I had seen the number too. I mean, it can, it can be hundreds of dollars for, mm-hmm. for, like you said, the different kinds and the specific needs of babies, hundreds of dollars a month. Yep. Yep. And then if you have multiple babies or, you know, if you have twins, it's really hard to nurse twins, um, but that's twice as much formula as well. And I know you mentioned this off the top, but have you seen an increase then in the uh, the number of moms that have been coming to your agency or coming to your mm-hmm. uh, your looking for help? Even the moms that we serve in our program who have lots of support for nursing baby and doing what they can, then it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't always pan out the way that you had planned, and so they they feel bad asking. Um, for help with formula, but they just can't, they can't afford it. When you're spending $46 on a can of formula, that's only going to last a short time. Um, it's, it's too much. And well, can people donate to your agency? Like you said, you can earmark yep. money, you can, you can donate to food banks as well, but can Sardis Doorway, if people are wanting to help out, can they do that directly? Absolutely. Yeah, they can drop off. Um, we, our office is inside Sardis Community Church. Um, people can drop off or we can pick up if people need us to pick up or um, if they want to e-transfer or send a check and market for baby needs, that would be amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for joining us and talking about this because it really is such an increase in the cost for so many, so many moms out there. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for your time today. Thank you for shedding a light on a little bit. Well, there are maybe people that don't want to hear this, but it is November 24th. That means it is exactly one month until Christmas Eve, and there have been more lights going up, Christmas trees. It is definitely that time of year. So we wanted to check in with the people at Aunt Leah's. We've talked about this on the program before. They do a huge fundraiser that is all about selling Christmas trees and wreaths. It is officially opening tomorrow, November 25th. Joining me to talk more 
more about what Antlia's does is Sarah Stewart, who is the executive director at Antlia's. Sarah, great to chat with you again. Hi, Jill. It's nice to have our annual conversation about trees. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, anything new that people need to know? I know tomorrow is is opening day for the for the big tree sales and fundraiser. Anything new this year? Yeah, no. Uh, tomorrow's our big opening day. We're pretty excited. We've got all our trees. We've heard uh, we've heard from different sources that apparently there's might not be enough trees this year, but we have all of ours, and we're ready to uh, welcome all of our customers back and. I'm looking forward to having them come and buy their trees from us and supporting young people who are aging out of government care. Uh, so talk a bit more about that, if you can. And I know we, we've discussed this before and, and the importance of having these supports and what Aunt Leah's does. But what does uh, what role does Aunt Leah's play? Right, so we see ourselves working at the entry and exit point of the child welfare system. So these are young people who don't have... Um, a, a phrasing that's often referred to as family privilege. So they don't have that uh, that wraparound family support that a lot of us do. And so they're they're in the child welfare system. And what we're seeing is a lot of folks who are, you know, a lot of young people aging out of the child wel- welfare system are becoming homeless. And so a lot of our services are designed around a preventing that, stopping that homelessness, that pattern uh, uh into homelessness, and then making sure that these young people can thrive. So we're offering opportunities around education, employment, life skills development. Um, yeah, it's pretty important work. Are you seeing more of a demand or a need for this as well? Yeah, uh, last year we worked with over 600 people. Uh, we're definitely seeing uh, us at more, I think we're over 700 we're anticipating this year. Mm. And yeah. the money raised from the tree sales, and I know it goes directly into to helping the people you just just mentioned. What kinds of things does it cover? So uh, the the two big uh, services that this, this this money raised will cover is our supportive housing for um, single moms and their kids, and then also our education support so that young people can access all of the opportunities in the post secondary. Um, um, pathway avenue in their lives, because and I know we've talked to some of the people that that Atlas has helped and and talked about the the fact that this support was just crucial and that they wouldn't have been able to get the schooling or to do or to get ahead and to to really uh, not be homeless. In which is I, I mean, unfortunately, we see encampments and we see the homeless numbers growing, but homeless for the vulnerable young people, it just seems like such a critical time when that intervention is needed. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent correct, Jill. Like it, it, this is such an important time to make sure they're they're safe and that there isn't any further uh, harm or trauma that happens for them as they're transitioning out of care. Um, and we're really that that's our huge focus. Is just they're so motivated, they're so focused, they're really doing all the work, and all we're doing is we're like, yeah, you. You're right. You need a place to live. We're, let's make sure we can help you with that. And let's make sure we can help you access all the other things that you want to do with your life and, and support with that, like any parent does with their kids. That's what we're trying to do. And when you share some of the stories as well, do you find that people that have been helped, young people especially that have been helped through Aunt Leah's, that they come back and want to give back as well and want to stay involved? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. They're they're coming back volunteering at our Christmas tree lots, 
which we do need some. We need more this year at our Burnaby and Coquitlam lots. Uh, just a little plug for folks who want to <laughs> do some volunteer work and buy a Christmas tree. But they're, they're coming back volunteering. Uh, we have young people coming back into positions that are, um, we call them peer specialists. So they're, they're, they have a skill set around really understanding the system and, and what's happening in there and, and being able to relate and understand what's happening for young people who are currently accessing our programs and, and providing that unique support that way. Uh, you mentioned then that, that you do need more volunteers. Uh, by all means, put that out there. What can people <laughs> do uh, if they do want to volunteer or find out more about if, if they have the time and can do that? Yeah, you know, our, our tree lots are opening up tomorrow. Um, it's our tree lots in Coquillum and Burnaby that uh, specifically we're doing a big volunteer uh, campaign and drive to uh, encourage folks. If you're interested in volunteering and doing some volunteer work, uh, please call our volunteer coordinator, Hope, uh, and, and schedule yourself a time. It it's a beautiful weekend weather-wise, and this is a great time to volunteer when it's sunny out. So um, definitely encourage folks to do that. And you can buy a tree while you're there. So it could be sort of a, a two birds, one stone situation for folks if they want to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And certainly get your pick of the trees and get to see a lot of them before having to make the commitment to one. Definitely. That's what me and my family are doing next weekend. It's probably going to rain on us, but we're, we're, we go, we volunteer. Our kids love it. It's a great, uh, great thing for them to feel like they're getting a part of Christmas, but also uh, giving back and, and doing that piece of, of a, a Christmas spirit. Uh, and uh, then they get to pick their tree, of course, which is lovely as well. Is there an age limit? Or I know uh, I've been to a lot of the tree lots. I always get my tree at one of them, and it seems like there's a, a wide range of ages. But it does seem also like there are a lot of young people that are, are taking part. Yeah, my kids are uh, 13 and 15, and I believe it, it's just there's a lot of heavy lifting uh, involved. And, and definitely if, you know, your, your kids are able to, um, managed without huge supervision by the parent, uh, like two-year-olds, they, that might be a bit rough for them to volunteer. But all right, uh, <laughs> our, our youth are great. All right, and um, and Sarah, just one other question, going back to to what Antlias does as far as really helping young people with housing, with, with other opportunities. I think there there might be this idea out there that there are government supports for people who are in foster care or, or in that system, but I know that Antlias really bridges that or or kind of comes in where there isn't that support. Is is that kind of a, a misconception that that government is taking care and doing everything to take care of these young people? So we're seeing government do more and more, like, like and so huge, you know, a, a huge appreciation on the the steps that are happening to increase supports past um, 19 for youth aging out of care, and and some increased housing options. There's still some gaps, though. Um, there's we're seeing that uh, young people aren't getting they're they're turning 19, and it's pretty abrupt. Uh, that, that the lack of housing and being able to find housing and that whole timeline doesn't fit with a sharp 19, you need to find housing. Uh, if anyone's done a housing search in the Lower Mainland, you know how hard it is to find a place. And uh, if you have a really intense timeline of like 19 years old and you have never lived in a, on your own or had a rental agreement on your own before without any references, that 
that challenge is really hard. And so we're seeing young people either scrambling and finding housing that isn't safe, unaffordable, um, or, or quite precarious is the term we use. And, and we're seeing that, you know, maybe maybe it's okay for three, six months, but um, it, it, it's not sustainable. And so we're trying to lean in, uh, thanks to some of our government, government partners, we can have some rent subsidies that we can provide to make it more affordable for them. Um, and then having that person, uh, one of our caring staff members, who's able to go out and connect in with them and provide that outreach, just check and make sure that things are going okay with their landlords or their roommates. That's, it's really important. Exactly. And like you, you said, it's hard to even find housing and then with the, the affordability and uh, the cost of rent and everything as well. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, great to chat with you again. And uh, good luck with the opening tomorrow and with this year's Tree Lots and the fundraiser. Oh, thanks, Jill. You have a, have a wonderful holiday yourself. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.